Hello and thanks for listening to LockPod. My name's Katie Ringsdor. Today I'm joined by Nikki Ramskill, who's the female money doctor. Her career started off as a GP and she's now doing lots of things in the public space to help empower women when it comes to finances. Well, Nikki, thank you very much indeed for joining us on LockPod this morning. Um, before we get started, I've got loads of questions for you, just to warn you. Um, how about you just give us a bit of background to you? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Dr. Nikki, and I am, well, my day job is I'm a GP, um, but I've actually trained to become a money coach because based on how bad I've been with money in the past, I've realized that a lot of my colleagues, patients, friends, family have also had similar problems but no one talks about money and we get so worked up about money that actually can really impact on our health and our well-being so I decided that I was going to take what I'd been learning my experiences and train as a money coach and use my GP skills to help people with their money health rather than their physical health so that's what I'm now doing. That's amazing so do you still do both jobs at the same time and how do you balance that? Yeah at the moment I am doing both at the same time which is not easy. I will put it out there that it it takes a lot of organisation and juggling, and sometimes I feel like I'm neither of those things. I'm all over the place, but it's it's important. And for me, the idea is to to become more and more of the money coach side of things because it 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 lights me up. It's just amazing. I love helping people with it. And when you see people really feel so much better about money and in control of money, it's just it's just the best feeling in the world. So. Yeah, it will eventually change. But for now, I'm doing both. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice and busy for you. So so kind of what inspired you to, to make this change in career? I suppose to kind of become the money doctor, the female money doctor. What was it that happened to you that kind of, or did something happen to you to kind of inspire this change? Yeah, it's, I, I got myself into a huge amount of debt in my 20s. And that was through being at university, but overspending. So I finished, I finished university. I lived in London at the time. And I wanted to go out and do everything. I had the whole FOMO thing going on and overspent by considerable amounts every single month. So when I got to a point in my career where I thought, right, I need to change now. I don't want to be a hospital doctor anymore. I want to be a GP. I had a bit of a realization and an awakening when it when it came to my money and thought I need to do something different now. Otherwise, I am never, ever going to get out of this. And I mean, I was in considerable amounts. Like I'm talking five figures worth of debt, like a lot of debt. Um, and yeah, cleaned it up, basically. It's taken me five years to do that, but cleaned it up, got out of debt, learned a lot about myself along the way, a lot of skills, a lot of differences in how to manage my money, how to invest, how, you know, savings, all sorts of things. Lockbox um, was part of that as well because my credit score was dire, so I needed to, to improve my credit score. Um, so there's lot, lots of things I picked up on the way, and I thought, I've got so much stuff here now. I want to teach other people and that was the, the that was the inspiration because I could see that so many patients had financial issues either they get sick and then they fall into financial um, you know hardship or it's the other way around they're already in financial difficulty and they become sick through that so it's it's all intertwined I can just see it's so intertwined that it was just it was important for me to do this. That's amazing. And you're absolutely right, because you don't really think about, you know, the, the impact that your mental health, I suppose, and, and your relationship with money that can have an effect on you physically yeah. as well. So how did you kind of start to get that knowledge base filled? Like, were you just Googling? Like, how do you, if you don't have that knowledge, because we're not taught a lot about financial education and empowerment at school. So as an adult, it's very easy to get yourself into trouble financially. How did you kind of start to build that education in your own brain, really? 
Oh, lots of reading. So I took a bit of time out between jobs and had lots more time to sit and read. And I think that's part of the, the issue is we're so busy all the time. If we don't take time to actually start reading and learning about these things, it's always going to be on the back burner. It's always going to be on the bottom of your to-do list. So I took time to read about things. I didn't agree with some of the books. I agree with some of them and just picked the bits that I liked from each of them. Um, read people's uh, blogs, listened to podcasts, um, went on, visited people on their websites that had courses. So I paid for courses to, to do these things as well. So I had a very rounded education from a lot of different people and I could see the pros and cons of, of different elements. And yes, yeah, so I just picked and choose what I liked, really. <laughs> and why do you think generally as a, as a society, and certainly in the UK, I don't know if it's if it's the same anywhere else, but we don't talk about money. It's, it's a real taboo subject. And I think it's becoming, I think it's becoming a bit better. But I think generally, we just don't talk about it. Why do you think that is? Mm, I think different countries are better than others. So in America, I think people are a lot more open with their money than they are in the UK. Um, I think... The issue is, is that money is one of those, we're taught it's like a dirty word. It's like, oh no, you shouldn't talk about money. It's impolite to talk about money. And I think that's just filtered through. You know, our parents, I remember being told off by my mum when I asked questions to parents, you know, friends, parents, you know, how much did your car cost? Or, you know, that sort of, just curiosity as a kid. Like, I genuinely wanted to know how much a Jeep cost or whatever, you know. My mum was, don't ask people like that. It's really rude. So I... I don't know where it's come from. Maybe it's a Victorian thing. I don't know. But it's it's kind of filtered through parents and grandparents. And, you know, we in our generation, I think we have to just change that, break that cycle, because it isn't impolite to talk about money. It, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I, I, I'm the first to admit I'm an emotional spender. You know, if I'm bored, I will go onto Amazon and the next day, you know, there are parcels on my front door. It's ridiculous. But it's. I think a lot of people won't admit to the fact that they are – you know, spending is a very emotional thing. Like, how do you curb that? How do you take control of that? Oh, there's it. I wouldn't say it was easy at all because I'm the same. But rather, I've got to a point now where rather than being an emotional spender and actually buy it, I did it last night. I was bored. I sat and looked at Amazon and I didn't buy a single thing, but I put everything into my shopping cart. Added it all up in my head and went, wow, I've just spent £200 <laughs> in my head. But I hadn't actually pressed the button to go and I deleted everything and it was fine. But that's over years of me being disciplined around it and giving myself a, a, a bit of money that I can use for splurging. And that money is, once it's gone, it's gone. So I know that I have to compartmentalise money in order to not get myself into a budgeting difficulty. And it's the same with anybody that overspends. So if you know you are somebody that will spend money on taxis or you're somebody who will spend money on food, takeaways, whatever, budget for it. So have that money set aside, have it separate. So I have a completely separate account just for fun money. And that's my, I can splurge as I want to. And if I know that it's only a finite amount of money, I'm very choosy about how I spend that. So I'm very happy to spend it on date nights and, you know, fun things that I want to buy, some clothes maybe or whatever. But once money's gone that month, it's gone. So I can't start tapping into other things because that, that other money is used for other things like saving for a car or investing or putting money aside for a rainy day. So for me, compartmentalizing works. And that's what I teach other people to do is literally split it up. It used to be called the envelope system. So you take all your money out in cash 
and split it up between different envelopes. We're not using cash so much anymore. So now we have to get clever with accounts that are out there. So there's lots of technology now like Monzo and Starling that allow you to compartmentalize your money so that you've got it into separate accounts and pots, if you like. And what so obviously you do a lot of stuff uh, with a lot of people um, around education, but I, what I love about the stuff you do is, you know, you listen to people and you kind of hear what people are feeling and what they're going through. Um, what's the most common issue that you're coming across? It's debt's one of the common ones. So I've got a lot of debt, want to get out of debt. Um, in fact, recently it's been about investing. I've come across a lot of people that are really genuinely curious about investing but all they're getting online, the people that shout the loudest, so the ones that are saying, oh, invest in Bitcoin or invest in this company or do this, trade this stock. And it, you can understand why people are getting interested in it because it does sound cool. It sounds really exciting. But actually, that's if you don't know what you're doing, that's a really quick way to lose money as well. So it's sort of you've got two camps of people, some that are just just need help with the debt and the budgeting and organizing. And then you've got other people that are like, I really want to start learning how to invest. But it, so I, I want to teach people, a, no, investing is safe. The, the word safe in investing is not the right thing to use, but it's it's better than necessarily just trading all your money into various different things, buying and selling all the time. So they're kind of the two common things that I come across lately and as you say you know investing it is a gamble isn't it so it's not it's not a straight science so you've got to kind of be very careful when you're dabbling yeah, in that it can it can be gambling i think if you're just trying to guess which companies are going to do well that's gambling you it's like backing a horse in you know cheltenham or whatever so actually what it's about is is long-term investing and broad-based investing so you're putting money into lots of different things rather than just one thing so that, that's the kind of investment that I teach somebody. But, you know, everybody's different. Some people like to, to do that trading element. And I'm lazy. I don't like trading. I'd rather not have to sit and research about various different companies to decide which one I'm going to invest in. So I don't teach it. Yeah, no, that's right. It's very, very complicated. And, mm-hmm. and through the pandemic, and again, you've continued to, you know, help people tirelessly throughout the pandemic. Have you seen a change in behaviour or a change in trends? Because, you know, I've been speaking to quite a few people over the last few weeks and months and, you know, some people are finding themselves in a really difficult situation financially due to the pandemic because people have lost jobs. But then there are other people that have been lucky enough to continue to work and actually find themselves with higher disposable income. What sort of things are you seeing? Yeah, I think it's the same kind of thing, really. Um, a lot of people have been able to save more money because, well, because you can in the pandemic, you're not, we're not going out, we're not doing things. Um, and actually, some people are quite worried about going back out into the real world again, because, you know, suddenly all that budget that they've been able to put together could be ruined in an instant weekend after going out and splurging in lockdown. But um, yeah, so I think that's one of the, the main issues is people have been able to save a lot more in lockdown. But my concern is that those behaviours won't necessarily pan out once we can go back and do the things we normally do again i think it it just depends on whether somebody's changed their internal habits as well as their external ones because you you know when we get put back into the same environment again that's the biggest thing that's going to lead us to spend more money not the fact that we've not been able you know it's how do i how do i describe this better so we've got different locuses of control so we've got our own internal control so we are not spending because we choose not to spend and we are putting our money into saving because we're consciously doing it versus an external focus where we're just not spending money because we're not in that environment as soon as we go back into that environment again because we haven't changed our internal habits we'll go back into spending again 
that's my concern is that people are saving money right now because they can't spend it outside because they've got no environmental impact but as soon as we go back out into the real world again all of that will will go so yeah, it's going, no, be, it's going to be a very different world, isn't it? Um, and, and you do a lot of work around kind of female empowerment when it comes to money as well, which I really like. Because, you know, I think if you look back, it was in the olden days, you know, it was the man was the main breadwinner. He'd control the finances, you know, very, very kind of stereotypical old school. The world's changed dramatically. Uh, why? So it's changed dramatically because I think women are now working in the you know before it used to be that a woman was at home she'd look after the kids she wasn't doing anything else other than than that which is a, a tough and hard job in itself now women want more than being at home at, all the time and they they would rather go out and earn their own money and sometimes actually they have to go out and earn their own money because their partner can't shoulder all of that burden i think it's really unfair to ask men to to shoulder all of that or for men to expect that they're the ones that have to go out and do it. And I think that's just an old fashioned view that the man is the breadwinner and all that stuff. That's very much changing now. And a lot of there's evidence now that shows that there are more female breadwinners than there are men because there are a lot of single women that are raising children. You know, they, they're the ones going out to work and, and making sure the family is OK. So it's it's just the way that we're working now. We're, we're just changing. We're not we're not wanting to stay at home and be housewives. Some women do, and that's cool. But other women don't want to, and that's they also want to have control of their own finances because if you're earning the money, why should you not have control over that? And do you think there's a perception, or you've perhaps experienced a perception, that women are perhaps worse with money than men? Mm, no, I, I think women actually can be very good with money they can be very good investors they can be very good with their budget they've they've got a, a rounded way of thinking about money plus they're more likely to to give away money to charity as well so actually women are very good with their money it's just it's the it's the confidence in things like um investing that's not there at the moment because investing has traditionally been a man's world and it's you know it's catching up so more and more female um, IFAs are out there teaching people about investing or they're helping people to invest, which is part of what I'm doing as well as a money coach is helping people to see that there is a different world out there of investing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> I do that all the time. Um, yeah. But, they, but yeah, so when, so women are good with money when they have it and when they have the right environment and the right people to help coach them. Like you were saying, it goes back to kind of like the way you're taught from your parents, yeah. you know, and it, it, I think it varies with every situation, whether you're male, female, whoever you are, it depends on kind of the environment you've been brought up in. But something that really troubles me is just the lack of education at school level. You know, I mean, mm. I, I was taught nothing about my tax returns or, you know, how to set up a bank account at school. It was, you know, luckily enough, my parents, we had a very kind of open conversation growing up about money. So they kind of empowered me with that information. Mm. What more can be done at a younger level, do you think? Mm. Well, I think it needs to come from parents. So the, you're, you're very lucky in that you got taught what to do, opening bank accounts and things. I mean, I got taught a little bit by my mum about what to do, but nothing very detailed. It was more of a open an ISA, that's it. It was, okay, what is an ISA? How do, what do I need to do? How do I do it? And didn't know that if you took the money out, you lost all your ISA allowance and all that stuff. Um, so I think if my mission is to educate women so they can educate their kids and, and that is the way that I think children need to learn it's through us and what we do and how we, we show up. Teachers have got enough 
to do at the moment as well. I mean, yes, it would be amazing if they could also teach about money skills and stuff, but they've got everything else that they also need to cover. So I think it, it needs to come from us. And there are lots of new resources that are coming up now to help parents teach their kids about money. It's about making it a game, making it fun, open, being, you know, talk about it. And as, as you said in your family that you did, which is great. Um, it's, it's more of that stuff coming from us. Yeah. And companies that are out there that kind of help people, because I know there are, there are a lot of businesses out there and there are lots of individuals, you know, like yourself that are out there to really help people to not feel stupid when it comes to money, which can also lead mm-hmm. to, to mistakes. Who, who inspires you? Oh, so many people. Um, so many people. Right. So I've got a couple of um, idols that I follow, but one of them is Denise Dussel Thomas. Um, and she is, um, a woman who talks about money mindset and how we hold ourselves back from making money, talking about money, asking for money, um, which I think is so important for women because that's one of the things as well that we we worry about people not liking us or people thinking we're money grabbing or greedy if we're just simply asking for them to buy something from us, you know. So there's there's so much stuff around that. So I love following Denise Duffel Thomas. Um, I also followed Anne Wilson as well right at the start of my journey and Anne Wilson is based in South Africa and she teaches about money habits and things as well um, and I, I loved her energy and her enthusiasm and so much of what she does is, is really inspiring to me too so it's yeah so she was one of like the early ones that I followed um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head now some of the others that, are, that have come up for me I follow a lot of kind of business type people now as well so people that are building their own businesses because I think that's an additional part of how money is now changing for people there's a lot more of this side hustle type stuff that's around you know starting a business on the side so you can bring in some extra money which i think is a really sensible thing to do if you can around your your business or around your job that you do currently um so people like amy porterfield and um, carrie green they're all sort of big in that kind of space so yeah lots of inspirational women around there and and going back to uh, what we were talking about I suppose at the beginning and some of your experiences you know if somebody has found that they've got themselves into debt for whatever reason how do you start to get yourself out of that so you know it we're told save money for a rainy day because you don't know what's coming up in the future and you need to be prepared so you need an emergency fund and you could lose your job but you've already got yourself into debt. What, what's your advice around getting yourself out of that spiral and starting to turn your life around? Mm, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it can feel like a complete and utter pit of despair. And I know that feeling very well because that's exactly the feeling that I was in. And, you know, you kind of beat yourself up because you think, oh, I should be better at this. But as you said, there are so many factors at play that say we can't necessarily know what to do straight away. So what I would say is, Start saving something, even if it's £10 a month or whatever, just start saving something. And that's where Lockbox is really cool because you can actually start with just small amounts of money and just build it up gradually. Get that saving under your belt. Use, um, you know, bingo cards or penny penny, um, saving challenges. I've got one of those on my website. Um, All these different things can help you to save little bits of money regularly and then tackle the debt. So the, the debt has to be the debt has, you have to look at it really carefully because if you cannot follow something like the debt snowball method or the debt avalanche method, which is where you're paying off the smallest debt or the small, or the, the biggest interest rate debt, debt first and then snowballing your payments upwards, if you can't do that as a minimum and still have everything going on in your life as you, you know, paying for your bills, paying for your mortgage and rent and all that stuff, then they're not going to work for you. You need to get yourself some help from a debt charity like Step Change 
um, because you have to be able to afford the minimum payments on your debts or consolidate that debt or something to be able to then give yourself some wiggle room so you can actually then do both at the same time. I don't believe in this pay off the debt and then get your savings up and running. You have to have both because if you don't have savings, something's going to happen and you're going to have to get your credit card out to be able to pay for that. So the savings have got to be built at the same time. It's incredibly difficult, isn't it? Because every situation's very, very different for everybody. But you're right. It's just getting that balance and awareness is such a big thing. With your experiences so far, Nikki, what, have you come across anything that generally really frustrates you? Um, I think the problem, the thing that frustrates me is how people struggle on without asking for help. They'll, they'll read everything free. They'll go onto YouTube and try and cobble it all together for free and they'll try and work out what to do. But actually, if you had a set structure and a coach and somebody to help see the wood for the trees, you'd get there a lot quicker. And that's something that I've discovered, you know, in lots of different ways that once I actually finally paid someone to help me, I got through things so much faster. Like paying for courses got me through so much quicker than reading a book. Paying for a coach has got me through so much quicker than having a course. So, you know, there's, there's, le- there's different levels. I know everybody can't afford necessarily to jump to each one. But but when I made that mindset shift of I need to invest in myself, that's that's when it all changed. So that the biggest thing that frustrates me is that when people struggle on, when actually they could just ask for help and they'd get there quicker. Yeah, and you mentioned step change there um, is, is a really good example. Where, where, where else can people go, obviously, to come and see you, uh, but where else can people go to kind of get that advice to help sort of, you know, build that knowledge base? So it depends on what you're looking for. Um, I mean, if you want somebody to tell you what to do with your with things like investments or, or whatever, then obviously a financial planner or a financial advisor would be a person to, to speak to. But look for a good one that is actually going to explain to you what it is you need to do with your money. Um, if you don't have very much money and actually it doesn't make any sense to ask a financial planner or an IFA to help you, then again, it comes back to looking at the people you want to follow. So do you want to follow a, a female coach, a male coach? Who do you resonate with? And look and see what they offer. You know, some coaches I know have a book out, you know, so you can go and read a book about what you need to do. Like, so Anne Wilson is one of the ones I mentioned. So she's got a book. It's called The Wealth Chef. So that's something you could get started with. But a lot of these people also have courses you can follow. So if you need help with budgeting, you can have a look to see what courses are out there for budgeting. There's all sorts of things. Open University do things. If it's debt, that's a problem. Yeah, step change is a big one to go and look at. But the Money Advice Service, um, Money Saving Expert, they're all really good online resources. But again, everything online has to be kept very generic because you can't the the financial conduct authority do not allow anybody to give advice about individuals you have to seek somebody who is fca registered to be able to do that so a lot of the online advice might be very conflicting because it might work for you and then somebody else it doesn't work for or vice versa and you then you get really confused you think what do i need to do so actually sometimes it's worth just finding someone you resonate with and just following what they do and then as I did, pick, pick and choose what you want out of that and then go and find someone else and pick and choose the next bit. Yeah, it's like digestible steps, isn't it? Um, yeah. And for you, I mean, congratulations, you've been nominated for a British Bank Award uh, this year and lots yeah. of awards over the years. But what, what's the dream for you? What's kind of next for you? Oh, so I, I really, I mean, what I'm doing is I'm building courses to help people. 
So I've got one on investing. I've got one on, on general money management, budgeting, that kind of thing. And there's a new one coming out soon all about mindset around money. And then so the idea is that somebody would follow all three of those things. That would be everything they would need to help them manage their money. After that, what I really want to do is I really want to build um, a network of money coaches. And there are lots of money coaches out there now. And the idea is that somebody would have a money coach to support them through all of that material as well. So that's that's the next step. That's like the 10-year plan. But, um, yeah, it's, I think money coaching is, is taking off in this country. It's a big thing in America, not so much in this country. So I definitely want to do my bit to help build out these support networks for people to get this financial education and who knows maybe it will be charity stuff i help with in schools you know to help later on down the road but yeah for now it's starting with the courses and then building from there now you do a lot of stuff online um do you do anything kind of physically i mean i know it's been very difficult with with lockdown mm. and stuff and do you kind of plan to do more face-to-face stuff in the future and do you think there's there's an appetite for that yeah, I think so. I think you can get a lot from being in the room. So you can get a lot of energy from being in a live um, situation with other people. And it's just, I've been to some of these events before and they are incredible. So I'd love to replicate those kinds of things as well. I do one-to-one support, but again, it's all online. So there isn't, there isn't anything physically in, in place for that. But yeah, one one day it would be lovely to have something in person where everyone can come together as a big group. It would be amazing. That's amazing. And Nikki, thank you so much for talking to us today. It's been fascinating to kind of hear about your experiences and and what you've been doing. So thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you for having me.